good to have you here this morning at Heritage Christian Church with us. My name is Pastor John. It's so good to have you here. If you're a guest today, if you could take a few moments, there's a card right in front of the pew in front of you. It's called a connection card. If you could take a few moments just to fill that out, and there's an offering box in the back. You can drop it right in the offering box for us. That just gives us a better way to connect with you. Or if you have questions about our church, we want to be able to answer them. Or if there's something on there that you have a comment on or prayer requests, uh, place that prayer request or comment on the back. Love to hear from you. And uh, we want to thank you for being here with us this morning. My name is Pastor John, and uh, so we want to welcome you. We are a uh, church body who is continuing to grow in our faith. None of us have arrived yet, so if you haven't arrived and you, you haven't been made perfect, then you're in good company. This is a good place to be along with us, right? Is there anybody that has arrived? Because we thought it teaches a few things. Anyone? Arrived. Arrived. Okay. Yeah, you've arrived. Some of you were on time. So this morning, uh, we want to thank you for that, and uh, if you could take a few moments about the connection card, of course, if you have a prayer request, we, uh, we pray on Thursday nights, we pray over our congregation consistently, you want to be able to pray for you and pray with you over the things that you're praying about, because we want to agree with you in prayer, and uh, so I want to encourage you to take a moment to fill out the prayer request card, if you have a prayer request, put it right on the back of that connection card, and it gives you a little box if you want to be confidential with just leadership, or if you want to <coughs> Project's called the Sydney Project. It's going to be at the Spire Center in Plymouth. Now, many of you in Florida, can you stand up just so everybody can get a get to see who you are? Actually, you just stand up there for a moment. Uh, her husband, Sid, many of you know Sid. He's played piano for us. In fact, this past Easter was the first time he played piano in quite a while, and he's been getting back to playing piano. He's written a lot of original music for this. And the Sydney Project, they're, they're doing this great concert. I'm excited about it. I hope you can make it. September 19th at 7.30. And it's going to be a fundraiser for Tommy's Place. Now, if you don't know about Tommy's Place, Tommy's Place is a place that has a, a hope restored. We supported Tommy's Place. And they're an organization that has a place for families and young kids who have cancer to just get away from life, get away from treatments, get away from the hospitals, and get away from all the stuff that they're going through and brings them to a place here called Tommy's Place that's free of charge. There's, there's no charges to them whatsoever. This is a free getaway for them because it's, families are going through a lot of stress when they're going through cancer with their loved ones. And um, this is an opportunity that we have at Tommy's Place to support them so that these families can come together. And for some of them, it is some of the last lasting memories that they have of their, their, their loved ones who are in And uh, so we are proud to support them as Hope Restored and also with the Sydney Project. So there's a, from my understanding, there's no entrance fee, but there, there will be a place for uh, an opportunity for you to donate to Tommy's Place. So I want to encourage you to do that. And also, you probably noticed in your worship guide, there's this 9-11 fundraiser. This is Hannah. Hannah, where are you standing up? Where's Hannah? Hannah's somewhere in here. There's Hannah. Hannah's doing this with, with her school, with this 9-11 fundraiser in support of the Massachusetts Military Heroes Fund. I want to encourage you to, uh, to give to that if you're interested there. There's a, a little um, what call a QR code here if you are okay with the QR code. If you're not and you don't know how to work that, Hannah is going to be here and ready to talk to you and receive any kind of funds you would like to donate today and so uh, and, and next week as well. So I um, want to encourage you to be a part of that. So 
have been talking about, as a church, how we are a movement. Right from the very beginning in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, when we see the church began, there was this movement that took place that despite persecution, despite torture, despite people being beheaded for their faith, the Christian faith continued to grow and continued to spread at such a rate that even they took over the very people who were doing the persecution in Rome. And so this morning, we as part of the body of Christ, as part of this movement that began a long time ago, we're continuing to kind of press in to this early church and what was happening in that early church because they were doing something right for these people to be able to persevere through the persecution that they faced. And they continued to stand strong in their faith despite what was going on around them. Man, and are we living in a time that we need to be able to stand strong in our faith? Despite persecution sometimes? There's something that this early church had, and that's what we've been trying to uncover in this particular series. Because what they had is what we need. And so we are going back to that early church in Acts chapter 2 to discover some of the things that they were doing that caused them to be able to face such persecution and continue to stand strong in their faith. I read an article that was in the Christianity Today this past July. And the article was entitled, The Two Holy Ghost Writers Behind American Christianity's Charismatic Turn. These were people who were often ghost writers. They weren't quite the, the, the big names that we know, but we would we'll recognize some of the things that they've written. They Speak in Other Tongues was one of those books. Another one you may have heard of before called The Crosses of Life by David Wilkinson. David Wilkinson. They wrote that God Smuggler. They also wrote The Hiding Place. Right? So they were part of writing that. So John Sherrill was asked an innocent question one day by his editor. The editor asked him this question. Have you ever heard of the expression speaking in tongues? So for the editor, this was just an idea for a story. What kind of story can we get out of this? But it turned into a journalistic investigation that changed John and Cheryl, John Cheryl's spiritual life. And it brought many Christians into a relationship with the Holy Spirit and started a strong charismatic wind throughout the evangelical church. It wasn't just limited to Assembly of God or people who called themselves Pentecostals. It began to spring up in some of the mainline denominations. So in 1960, John started his research on, a, on this phenomenon that was gaining ground in American churches. So he visited churches where this was happening, where there were tongues taking place. And the decade before the publication of Cheryl's book was on the face of it, a wildly successful time for American Christianity in the 60s, 50s. The 1950s was a period church-building projects, marketed revival crusades, high church ambition, the huge growth of religious institutions. And some critics, however, asked what had happened to all this enthusiasm that the church once showed. Missing from all this striving that people were seeing and this flourishing Christianity, what was missing was a topic, or any topic, As the Sheryls wrote, the Sheryls wrote this. They said, the spirit was, in a sense, a ghost. 
aspect of God, the third member of the Trinity, a concept you acknowledge every Sunday in the creed, but a ghost, just the same. As if he were the featureless remnant of someone who at one time in the church's life had been very real indeed, but now was little more than a memory. After World War II, some Christians became restless. They were seeking something more in their faith. They knew there had to be something more than going through the motions of their faith. And there began to, there were some small groups that were beginning to meet together outside of church. And they began meeting, and people were being filled with the Holy Spirit, and people were beginning to speak in tongues. John described this, this is that author again. He, he, he ex, uh, described the experience of a guy named Dennis Bennett, who was an Episcopalian priest. And his speaking in tongues caused such an uproar that even Time and Newsweek ran articles on this particular The book also included veterans of encounters of the Spirit, like Methodist missionary E. Stanley Jones, who was filled with the Spirit at Asbury College. The Cheryl's book was written on the crust of American Christianity, where a charismatic So trying to make sense of these tongues, these things he heard of tongues, they went so far as to make tape recordings of the languages being spoken and submitted them to people for scrutiny to see if they were actually speaking languages. So John in particular became fixated understanding tongues. He learned from his interviewees that to understand tongues, he should really pursue the experience himself. He should really experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so then at a prayer meeting in Atlantic City in December 1960, he decided that he wanted to explore this particular feeling of the Holy Spirit, not from the outside looking in, but from the inside. And he opened himself to the possibility of the Holy Spirit speaking and praying through and something happened, and this is how he described it. He said, from deep inside of me, deeper than I knew a voice could go, came a torrent of joyful sound. See, John had become part of the very story that he was investigating. The Sheryls tapped into the changing spiritual mood of the 60s, at a time where many Christians were seeking a reanimated faith, an authentic faith, not just going through one reviewer, I love, I love this quote, one reviewer in Yuma said, if you read this book, you could breathe the same atmosphere as exists in the New Testament. If you read this book, you could breathe in the same atmosphere as exists in the New Testament. May I submit to you this morning, as we continue to talk about the church being Christ, that history has a way of I believe that we're entering in a season where people are tired of the negativity in our world. Everywhere you look, someone is upset, offended, angered, or outraged towards something. And we've seen the rise and fall of megachurches. By the way, I'm not against megachurches. God has blessed them and used them in many different ways throughout the world. And there are many that have stayed faithful to their call. 
results we see up there. Many of them are still in Much of the church goes seminars that you go to. Much of the books that you read. Much of the teaching sounds more like business classes than it does following the Holy Spirit. Not that we can't learn from business principles, but like the Sheriffs discovered, it seemed like the leading of the Holy Spirit had truly become a ghost in the church. Something we hear about, but don't experience. The late Dr. A.W. Tozer, maybe you know this Christian author and pastor, he said this. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. And if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Have we lost the power and the work and the guidance of the Holy Spirit directing our path every day? Have we lost the ability to say, not, I'm not going to go to all these workshops and try to figure this thing out, but I'm going to go to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, God, help me. Do things your way. Show me your way. In order to continue to move that way. What I'm saying to you this morning is that we need to get back what we saw in the early church. They could stand their persecution. And the only way they did that is not in their own strength and ability. Right? You know that. It's only because they were full of the Holy Spirit. It's only because the Holy Spirit gave them the words to say. The Holy Spirit brought peace and comfort in the midst of that persecution. And in the midst So when people start getting tired of the status quo, when they get weary of watching their favorite news station, when they get tired of listening to yet another person rant, you know about the fabulous comment on, on Facebook, a man or rant can go on. Is there anybody who's happy in this town? But when you get sick of all of that, where do you go? Who do you go to? I believe that there's going to be a desire for something more because this is not fulfilling for anyone. And we as a church of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, have the opportunity to tell them where the more is found. Who has the more? To show what it looks like to live a life of meaning and purpose. To give love and care and to give encouragement and support, and to share for the forgiveness of sins, and the end of guilt and shame. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the good news when you hear all of that. So let's set up the scene just for a moment where we left off. We left off with wind and fire happening in an upper room with 120 or so people gathered together in the name of Christ, and the tongues began to come, and the winds began to blow. And we talked about last time, when that fire, when you add wind and fire, what happens? Especially when, it, when there's a lot of dry ground around. It's going to spread. And this happened at a time when there's a lot of dry ground. And the Holy Spirit, 
And the gospel of Jesus Christ spread across a lot of dry, dry ground because of the flavor power of the Holy Spirit and because of the winds blowing it to the places that it spread. And they were in the room, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began praising God in languages that they did not know. See, but the people gathered there, they knew the languages. These people were from all over the known world at that time. And they heard these languages being spoken in a tongue and a language that they understood as praising God, as giving glory to God. So I, I'm always interested, and this is a this is a question that comes up for me and actually a lot of conversations sometimes around our house. Why tongues? Why not just speak the languages that they knew? Presumably, if they were traveling to Jerusalem, they have a working knowledge of Hebrew or Aramaic. They must have get around, right? Or maybe they Greek or Latin, which was often the language of commerce at that time. So why, why, why tongues, James? Why the languages? Like I said, it definitely caught the attention of people who were from these different areas. They knew for a fact that these people don't know their language. These people didn't know where they came from. But yet they were praising God. They knew that something supernatural had been, take, been taking place. These weren't people who took months or years of languages to be able to speak what they spoke in this moment. There's something supernatural about the moment. that drew people there. And this is where we see that this praise, this praise of God actually leads to proclamation of the gospel. And praise still leads to proclamation of the gospel. It's not changed. And something else we see here is that the ministry of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, it started where? In an upper room. It started where? Inside. It started inside. But it could not be contained. It had to go outside. This is what the Holy Spirit does. There's a quiz for you. We are the temple, right? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, then what the Holy Spirit is doing in you begins to come out. Right? It can't be contained. When the Holy Spirit begins to flow, it can't be contained in that way. But what God is doing in you begins to flow. Like at Pentecost, it starts on the inside. People gather together to pray. But it doesn't just stay on the inside. It just doesn't stay within the walls. It goes outside of the walls. With the people. So what God does in you begins to come out of you. It cannot be contained. Because what we've been saying all along is one thing. We've been saying that Ministry to one another fuels mission. Like that, that's why we gather together. We're fueled by gathering together, by encouraging one another, by hearing God's word, by worshiping together, by praying over one another, by taking communion and remembering the sacrifice of Christ together. We are fueled by that. We gather and we go, right? We gather and we go. We gather to get the fuel. But we're also fueled by the Holy Spirit. Let's read Acts chapter 2. 
So if you have your Bibles with me, with you, or if you have a Bible app, not really also if you're behind me, Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 21, I'll read it and then you'll read the translation. <clears throat> this is what happened after all this, the tongues and the wind and the fire happened. It says, Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon how many people? All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on me I want to take this through a filter of three questions. The first is who? Who can expect the power of the Holy Spirit based on the scripture that we just read? Second, how? How will it happen? And third, why will it happen? For what purpose? For what reason? So let's start with who. Going back to Acts chapter 2, 17 through 18. So says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon who? All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men, and women. So we see here, who is it for? It's for all people. It also answers the question of when. It says, in the last days. Let's pick up this point. This is the beginning of the last days. We don't know when the last days are. We don't know the end date. When Christ will return. But we're living in the last days because it's after Acts 2. Where he took us. What does all mean? I mean, obviously it doesn't mean everyone in the world. Why? That's clear based on this not everyone in the world received the Holy Spirit. In fact, some of them were making fun of him. They were calling him drunk. So they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't all people at that time that were filled with the Holy Spirit. It seems like there might be some kind of a prerequisite to being filled with the Spirit. Like, maybe belief in Christ. Who he is. Because we see in the end, he says, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Next week, we'll dig a little bit Next time together, we'll dig a little deeper into Peter's message. Contextually, it seems as if all means that the promise is available for all people. Available to all people. And Peter even gets more specific. He said, What I mean by all is who? Sons and daughters. Okay. Young and old. Okay. So the promise of the Holy Spirit is not sexist. Right? That's for both males and females. 
for sons and daughters. And this is a gift that we pass on to the next generation of sons and daughters. The Holy Spirit empowering them for ministry. And there's no ageism with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a young man's game with the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit does not care how young or how old you are. We are all called and empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Christ. And there is no class in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, slave, free, Jew, or Gentile. The Holy Spirit is for you. And that's what Peter's saying here. The Holy Spirit is available to all people, not just a select few, not just a priest, not just a prophet. That's how it was in the Old Testament, but now the Holy Spirit is available to all people. Young men will have visions, visions about what they believe in God. They look to the future, looking to see what, how God's going to use them. Old men dream dreams. Probably working all those naps. <laughs> Old men dream dreams because God speaks to them through those dreams. Often, what is happening right the moment? All are being used by God, whether it's a vision, whether it's prophecy, whether it's a dream. So Peter here is saying, here is what I mean by all. The Holy Spirit is available to all. The kingdom of God and the work of the Holy Spirit through his people is not just for males or females, not just for rich and poor, not just for the It is for all. And all are needed in the kingdom of God. All are needed to build the kingdom of God on earth. So who is this promise for? It's for all people. Daughters, sons, males, females, people of all classes. Next is how. How? How will it happen? I want you to pay close attention to the words I will pour. I will pour. I will pour out my spirit upon all people. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. And when I think of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, I think of the woman that poured expensive perfume all over Jesus. The alabaster jar that was broken and all of its contents were placed over Jesus and over his head. This was not a little dabble do ya kind of thing like we just did up here. Once we'll leave Foyle and get the stuff all over your car It wasn't a little dabble do ya. It was pouring. And so when we see that he will pour out his spirit, that's the vision I see. I see not just a little dabble.
chapter 2, 20-21 says the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They shall be saved. <laughs> I want you to see something here. That the first part of Joel's prophecy was to fill all of this. But there's still yet a portion that I don't know about you, but every time I see the moon it's red, I think about this passage. Every time I think of that harvest moon, that blue, red, orange, I think about the moon becoming red. Often around harvest time, and I'm reminded of two things. First one is that the final harvest is coming. Second thing is that those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Why do we need the power of the Holy Spirit working through us? Because the final harvest is coming, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be His witnesses. Because eternity in Spirit is for all people. We've established that. That means it's for you. The Holy Spirit is literally been given out to you. And why does He want to give His Holy Spirit upon you and fill it out upon you? Because He wants to be And those who call on the name of the Lord will be Father, I pray that in this moment right now, you would open our hearts and you would speak to us. Maybe there's areas of our lives that we've never given over to you. And so, we give that to you tonight. such a way that it overflows the water that we overflow that your work would be doing inside of us and in our lives. Would you 
pray for the harvest. We pray for more laborers. Until you send more laborers, Lord, that's going to be our responsibilities. Show us our role. Jesus died as a sacrifice for all of our sins, both yours and mine. There's no one perfect in here in this room. There's no one as God's people who's all sin and falling short of God's glory. There's nothing to be ashamed of there. But when you call on his name, you can be forgiven of all the things that you've done in You want to live with guilt or shame? All you have to do is come with a sincere heart and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of all the times I've been selfish. Forgive me of all the times I've lived against your will. Scripture declares to us that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. See, Jesus didn't just die for our sin. He did. But he also rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, we can rise to new life. We can be changed. This morning, if you'd like to take that step with me, whether online or here this morning, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Just simply say something like this Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your Son. I believe that when He died, He died for my sin. I believe that He rose again from the dead. And then this morning, I place all of my This morning, who said that prayer? Is the next important time you have a blue box that says, Accepted Christ for us. You know, we call up with you. We'll talk with you a little bit more about what that means. Take you some next steps of personal growing faith. If you're watching online, if you haven't said that prayer, leave a comment message us there. We'll definitely talk to you about that as well. I'm going to ask the congregation to say this morning, and this is my charge to you as we gather together for the charge to you for this week, my charge will continue, at least for a portion of the series. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 20, says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God for the Father and to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, my, my encouragement to you, my charge to you is to be a new 
May we be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. May we have visions and dreams. May we prophesy and may we praise. And may we keep our eyes on the mission, on the fields that are like the harvest. Let's keep moving. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. I also want to make myself available if anyone needs prayer. Service today.